0: Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 476 of the Juice Box podcast. I have a treat for you today. Today's episode is with Deva, and I'm just going to say it, she's my best friend. But this episode comes with more than just a pithy little opening. It comes with a money-back guarantee. If you don't love Deva and this conversation, everything you paid today to listen to the podcast will be refunded back to you 100% in the form of an expired gift card. But if you love this episode, do something for me. I'll ask you in one second after the music. First, let me tell you a couple of things. Here's the big one. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. All right, the person you're about to hear was diagnosed as an adult, but they have an incredible attachment to type 1 diabetes from their childhood. It's an amazing story, and somehow around the one hour mark, we just really get into it. I hope you like this. so when this is all over if you enjoy it as much as i said please take five minutes to go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box click on the link that says join our registry now and then fill out the simple survey that's it you have to be a type one or the caregiver of a type 1, and you need to be from the United States. If you are those things, or one of those things, I guess you could be both. You could have type 1, be from the United States, and be the parent of a kid with type 1. I don't get bonus points for that if you are, but still, I guess you could be. We're getting away from the point. The point is, if you are one of those people, going, clicking on Join Our Registry Now, filling out that simple survey, will do huge things for people living with type 1 diabetes. And it helps the podcast, so it's a, it's a real bonus. This is going to be 100% anonymous, so none of your answers will be attached to you. It is HIPAA compliant. It does not require you to ever go anywhere, right? You just do it from your couch, sofa. Some people call it a sofa. Some people call it a couch. I'll let you wonder what I call it. But right now in your mind, you know what you call it, right? Right? Again, we've gotten away from the whole thing here. Anyway, from wherever you're sitting right now, iPad, from your phone, from a computer, t1dexchange.org forward slash juice Past participants like you have helped to bring increased coverage for test strips, Medicare coverage for CGMs, and changes to the ADA guidelines for pediatric A1C goals. This is a big thing that you can do in a tiny amount of time. t1dexchange.org forward slash juice Links in the show notes links at juiceboxpodcast.com. We'll start with you just introducing yourself, you know, pretty basically, and I'll ask some questions and we'll talk and that'll sort of be it. Uh, and, it'll, and it'll come out delightfully.
1: Okay, I love that you used that word. I want I want you to describe me. That's delightful. I uh, think <laughs> you say that so nicely when you introduce other people.
0: If you if you force it, I don't know what I can do. But I'll see what happens. Like what happens now? Now this part's going to end up in the podcast. What happens if you're <laughs> not delightful? And the whole time I'm like, I got to wait for this lady to say something reasonable so I can.
1: Then maybe then maybe you won't post it. I don't <laughs> well, know. There's always there's always that option. If I'm I've, not delightful, we have a deal. You don't have to post it. Uh, How's
0: that? I've never not put up one episode that I recorded except for two where the people who I recorded with later, I think realized that they maybe had been much too honest um, oh. about a health oh. issue. But other than that, it's never one, one person had what I consider to be a, an actual breakdown while we were recording. And I, oh, no. and I suggested that we don't let anybody hear it. Um, wow. Wow.
1: And, and then there was just, okay. One. I imagine you get that a lot. People get very emotional.
0: Um. You know, I think, I think people do get emotional and, and, And that's interesting, isn't it, that you would unburden yourself to a stranger, but I'm assuming have all kinds of people around you that you know and never never say anything to. I wonder if the podcast doesn't make people feel closer um, to me because they hear me so much.
1: Oh, that is for sure true. I feel like you're my best friend because I don't talk to anybody about my diabetes. Oh. Everyone who knows me, you know, I was diagnosed two years ago at age 47. I'm now 49. Everybody who knows me knows me already. I don't have new friends now. Yeah. My, my social group is my social group. And it's not like this has been a topic that we grew up with together. So it just never comes up. So I feel like you're my best friend. Your podcast, and I'm not exaggerating, saved my life. Oh,
0: well, we'll get to all that. And by the way, if your friends were really good friends, one or two of them would get diabetes so they could be there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. I don't know how we would do
0: that, but you know.
1: (laughs) Although I imagine given my age group, I imagine if anybody else got diabetes, it would more than likely be type two.
0: You might think, right? It's crazy that, well, all right, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Introduce yourself.
1: Okay, my name is Deva Katz, and I am type 1 diabetic, d- diagnosed two years ago, misdiagnosed, I should say, as type 2 at first, and uh, three months later, properly diagnosed as type 1. And I mean, what else do you want to know? I, my particularly uh, emotional side to all of this is that when I was uh, 14, my 12-year-old sister died suddenly from type one diabetes. And that just hit like all that just came crashing down like a ton of bricks when I got diagnosed, even though logically I know nowadays it's very different. I mean, we're talking back in the eighties, you know, N- nowadays it's very different. I don't plan on dying in my sleep. I plan on living to ripe old age of hundred, you know, yeah. but it's still in the back of your head. Like, Oh my God, this is really serious. And I'm not so sure how much the world really understands that. I mean, you're group your you're, Listeners know that, but yeah. let's say in my social group, I don't think people understand that this is really serious.
0: Okay. So you've said a lot. We're going to unpack okay. it and figure things out. So tell me, say your first name again. I want to make sure I pronounce correctly. Deva. Deva. Okay. Deva. Deva, where do you, where, where do you live?
1: I live in Israel. Born there? I was not born here. No. Uh, uh I moved here in, I want to say 2000. So I've been here 20 years.
0: Wow. Moved for, can you say from where, where you moved from?
1: I moved from lower Manhattan.
0: Oh, I wasn't sure if you were running from like organized crime and you didn't want to say or anything like that. No, no. no, no. Oh,
1: that would make a fun story. No, 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 no. I, I moved here just, you know, I'm Jewish and I just wanted to be, you know, in Israel. So I'm here. And you've been there and for 20 years. by the way, years. best healthcare system ever. I pay 35 bucks a month for all my diabetes needs. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, no. Right.
0: It's a reason to move. Hey, you know, Owen Lieberman lives there. He has type one. The CNN correspondent for uh, Israel.
1: Um, I should know him, but I don't. He has Sorry. type one. He's
0: been on the show. Maybe you could find a friend in Israel. I
1: will have to. Have, I need new friends. Imagine
0: yeah. imagine if you're crazy and Owen sends me a note and he's like, hey, thanks <laughs> a lot for saying Dave over to me. <laughs> there you go. Hey, she seems okay, Owen. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> and, and we're best friends, so it'll be fine.
1: Exactly, I told you you're my best friend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, well let's let's go a little slow here for a second. So you brought it up, so let's figure this out. You're saying about 35 years ago your sister passed, and so was she undiagnosed as type one? Oh, no, she
1: was she was properly diagnosed. Um, she was five, I was seven. We were driving down from Manhattan to my grandparents in DC for Thanksgiving weekend, and she. We stopped the car so she can pee on the side of the road, I want to say every 20 minutes. Hmm. It's a long drive from Manhattan to yeah. Washington, DC. Right. And I remember it like yesterday, and we got to DC and it was obvious something was wrong. And and she was diagnosed there. She went straight from DC. They flew to Jocelyn. Um, and you know, she was properly diagnosed and she okay. was taken care of the, to the best of you know my parents' abilities back in you know back in the late 70s yeah. you, you know whatever was available then she did gotcha. of course it was urine sticks but she was definitely being taken care of
0: yeah people weren't ignoring i i wasn't sure if because you said she passed in her sleep i wasn't sure if if she maybe just went to dk before she was diagnosed or if she was living with it i um, don't,
1: i don't, i obviously don't know i was young myself so i don't know the exact details of what happened it could have been um uh, insulin shock uh, who knows who knows but know, all those words. she was definitely managed she was being managed with to the best of my parents' abilities at right. that
0: time. Gotcha. Yeah. So you don't know if it was a situation where it was too much insulin or not enough. It, I, I you don't wouldn't know it. Know. Yeah, you I were, really don't you were know. young. I mean,
1: yeah, I, I was young, and my parents at the time, the doctors would have been okay, you know, doing more research and autopsy, whatever. My parents just felt like, what's the difference? At this point, she was gone at that point and it, it didn't matter. And and they decided not to pursue it further. So I'm not even sure they did know. And if they did, they just really didn't share it didn't with me. So you. I have no idea.
0: Yeah, people might not understand. The 70s was a, a significantly different time. I try to explain to my children sometime as they're voicing their opinions and I'm listening and we're having a conversation, like once in a while, I want to say to them, you realize my dad and mom would have never listened to anything that I thought, right? Like I would, I would have started <laughs> making a noise, and they would have been like, "Uh," and then just walked away from me, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, and you had a. Lo- you have a lot of siblings, is that right?
1: Yes, I'm. I'm one of seven.
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah. Your, your parents were probably tired. I would. Think. <laughs> <laughs> my
1: parents, my parents were tired, indeed, indeed. No
0: kidding. And your poor mom's uterus. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> a beating, I'm imagining. You know, God,
1: God bless. God, you know, what should I tell you? Uh,
0: do you have any kids? I have two. Two, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. my son is 15 and my daughter's 10.
0: Gotcha. Oh, wow. So they've grown up exclusively. You had both your children in Israel. They're Israeli. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. All right. So you, not, nobody else in your family has ever had diabetes with the exception of you and your sister.
1: Um, in my immediate family, no. I have some cousins with diabetes. Um, some are better taking care of themselves than others, but it, it is in the family. The fact that I have it wasn't a huge surprise because it is in the family. My grandfather certainly died from diabetes. It, it wasn't a, a surprise. What was so surprised for me is, is my age. You know, I, I was diagnosed at 47. Right. That, I think, is – I mean, do you hear about that Like among your popul- among your listeners? Is that – I feel like that's pretty rare.
0: Well, the people are diagnosed. I, I think at this point, I've spoken to someone diagnosed at every age between, you know, zero and I think 66 at this point, Wow. you know, wow. so it does happen. I don't know that. it. I mean, I'm sure it's more or less likely in some, you know, swaths of, of age, but I also think it's so much to do with, you know, genetics and everything. I'm going to ask a question. If I mispronounce a word, you'll forgive me. Are you orthodox or Hasidic by any chance? Um I I were I, with the family? I should if say.
1: being if being pinned into a corner, I would say orthodox, although of course I have no way of knowing how you are defining the word.
0: My question is really just it's not about religion. It's it's about um smaller communities where people maybe marry a little closer to their
1: Oh oh, oh yeah. no, no, no. so you're talking about a, has- a Hasidic community and no, the no. answer to that is no.
0: Gotcha. Because I uh I have a very close friend who's a NICU nurse at a major, major, uh, hospital. And she says that most of like, seriously, most of the real, uh, malformations that they see with newborns come from that population. Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: what, what we call inbreeding it. Yeah. It's just I
0: sad. was just, and I was just wondering if it was possible that I, I don't know why I just, I'm picking through things. So
1: I, I don't think that's a, a factor. here. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: All. Okay. All right. So, um, you, you in your note to me, you know, it was very passionate. I very much appreciated it. Um, and you, you really seem to, to, to want to talk about the passing of your sister a little bit. And if I'm not wrong about that, I'd, I'd appreciate hearing the story, I guess. Am I wrong or am I right? No, I
1: mean- it's you, just hard, I you, know. You, 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 you're not wrong. Okay. That is that is when I reach, initially reached out to you because just cause it was I guess I was having an emotional day, mm-hmm. which you know, which happens. Um, but overall, it's not just her passing because I've been dealing with that for 40 years, but the just in general, the The emotional side of diabetes, like the technical side, the medical side, what you're teaching spot on. I feel like I got it. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my A1C is in the, I want to say high fives. Um, It's good. And it's been that way since, you know, three months after diagnosis, like it's all good, Okay, Uh, but still I feel, and I don't know if this is because I'm still dealing with the shock of it, but. The emotional side of it, and I don't know if that's typical for everyone who gets newly diagnosed, or I'm adding the layer of my sister dying to the fact that I'm so emotional about it. Like, if someone starts talking to me, I will probably start crying, and there's no reason to. I'm well, I'm healthy, I'm well taken care of. We've got excellent medical care here. Like I said, my A1C is awesome. Like, there's no reason why I'm taking this so hard, and that's and I, I don't know what it is. Is it's it because it's just like a major change to my life, or is it the fact that I'm just like reliving my sister dying? I don't know. I don't have an answer. Yeah. So it could be a, so you're asking me, Oh, is that what I want to talk about? I have no idea.
0: I don't
1: know. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I mean, have no idea. But I do have some general questions for you, but we don't have to get to that now. We have a few minutes. So anyway, keep going.
0: Oh, I'm I'm excited you have questions. Well, I mean I do, I, I, I do. Obviously. I made a list. Thank you. I appreciate you being prepared. Um, I hope you don't mind that I'm not prepared. (laughs) No, but I like talking like this better. I I like kind of picking through things. Because, I mean, obviously, it would at best be pop psychology to say that, you know, your sister died under what probably felt like reasonably mysterious circumstances, although you could point to the diabetes. And at such a a formidable age for you, um, and and you – listen, you told a a story in the email that – she and you were in the same bedroom and had. Oh my
1: a, god! A, I said that. You told oh, I did. me.
0: You, you ha, do. You want to tell me about that? Because I'm oh, not sure. We're no, going no, sure. out- It's not private. Go ahead. It's not. it's, well, it's, not, it's I mean, private. But it I won't mean, be soon. Go ahead. What,
1: I mean, <laughs> um, how many listeners do you have these days? we are we up to? Yeah. Three million or Couple something.
0: Couple people are gonna hear about it. So go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you sure, one big open book. Um, so we were. She, she, um, she and I shared a bedroom. That is true. And we got into this. Fight. I I don't even remember what it was about, although if I had to guess, I'm sure it was because I was just picking a fight for no reason, because that's very much my personality. And we were fighting, and I basically told her that she can't sleep in the room. She has to go sleep in the guest room. And because she was so sweet and just younger and just wanted to keep the peace, she left. She left the room, and then she went to sleep in the guest room. And I went to wake her up for school the next day because we did have to make the bus, and... And, and she was obviously gone. Now I didn't know that at fourteen that she was gone. I I had no way of really telling. About. I went to my to my mom and I said, "Listen, she's not waking up, but I got to go get ready. So you deal with her." And and then the next thing I know, the paramedics are in the house, and you know, and that yeah. was it. Wow. So the fight was very unfortunate. My mom, in <laughs> a few minutes of complete lucid uh, lucidity, is that a real word? That's a word, right? It is now. It is now lucidness. Whatever. She was lucid for those few moments. She turned to me before the funeral and she said, there is nothing you could have done. You wouldn't have heard. You wouldn't have known. This had nothing to do with her sleeping alone. And whether it's true or not, who knows? My mom said it to make me feel better. It worked. You know, it made me just... Take a deep breath and realize maybe she's right, maybe she's not. I don't know, but at least I had the op- opportunity to feel like maybe my mom was right, maybe right. there was nothing I could have done. Who knows? I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But it it put it to it put it to to rest for at least that initial that initial time which right. was so difficult. But looking back years later, well, I'm not so sure. <laughs> you know, people don't have seizures. I don't know what happened to her. They're not so quiet. I'm not so sure what happened. Who knows? Yeah. 50-50. So, so it sticks you know? in your
0: head that if she had a seizure, you might have heard it and woke her up. And I definitely
1: would have heard it. I mean, come to your parents, I mean, maybe. I, mean, I definitely would have heard it. There's no way you would have slept through a seizure because she's, she, she had had some of them. She, she'd had them. Like I, I would have known. I yeah. would have known for sure.
0: Well, I mean, listen, I, I, this is not apples to apples, I don't think. But I was incredibly close with my grandmother as I grew up. And, um, I had a job after school and, uh, I got home from school one day and I was in my bedroom changing my clothes from school to what I was going to wear to work. And I was late and not late. Like I was, you know, not paying attention and was late, but it was that hard to get from school to home and then to this job on time. And the phone rang and I picked up the phone and it was my grandmother who wanted to chat and I would have talked to my grandmother always, you know? And so I started to talk to her and I just said, grandma, I'm sorry, I have to get to work, but I don't work tomorrow. I could call you tomorrow after school. And she's like, that's great, call me tomorrow after school. And then the next morning, while she was getting ready for work, she had a stroke and she died. Wow. And I just never, you know, it, it, it's something that bothers me to this day. And I don't know if I, uh, you know, I, I understand academically, that you don't control when people come and go out of the world and there's no way to know. Like, you know, there's no there's no light on your forehead that says tomorrow's your last day. So, um, you know, but I still just think that stupid job where I was making $3 an hour working at a pet shop so I could buy gas for my car so I could afford to drive to work. You know what I mean? Like it just, <laughs> I could have been 15 minutes late to it. But then I stop and think about, how much amazing time we had together, and we were very close, and I mean, 15 more minutes wouldn't have changed that, I don't think, you know?
1: Yeah, we're all a lot smarter in hindsight. Yeah. You know, in hindsight, we're all a lot smarter you know my kids fight now and and i bite my tongue from saying you guys shouldn't be fighting cuz you don't know what's going to happen yeah. i ne- never said that to them but in the back of my mind i feel like oh my god i wish i could give them that wisdom you know that they should know that their behaviors now it it, it 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 could affect you later on like, Right? this the fighting and being mean and and i don't say anything cuz they have to figure out their own path and i let them do their thing but but i wonder you know i wonder like how much could have been prevented for me if my you know, if my mom had stepped in, it's like, okay, you guys have to figure this out, make this makeup or figure this out. You know, we're not sleeping in the guest room. Like, I, I wonder. My, my, my mom w- was hands off w- with all of our fights. And I understand why. But I wonder, you know, how life would have turned out differently, you know, had she not had she not passed so young. But anyways. <laughs>
0: well, I hope you can find a way not to wonder so much because. Yeah, I
1: know. should stop wondering, right?
0: Yeah. Because you're never going to figure it out, and it's just going to
1: never going to figure it out. And the world is too busy, anyways. My yeah. goodness, we're living in crazy times.
0: Yeah, your heart's going to be beat up worse than your mom's uterus was. You got yeah. you got to protect yourself. Apart. So good point. Good point. Good point. <laughs> well, I I'm sorry that happened to you, but I I do think it's important to understand because I'm imagining it's it's you know at least imprinted on you enough that the rest of the conversation uh, it'll be valuable for people to know that as we move forward. So, um, you so you. Grow up and make babies and move away and do all these things. What what do you do for a living?
1: I am a logistics manager for a food import firm.
0: Is that like a lot of making sure the trains run on time, making uh, sure it's, things?
1: Uh, it's not trains; it's boats. boats. Like we import food from all over the world and we supply to the major food manufacturers here in as well. So it's it's uh it's boats basically. Well, that's got
0: to be incredibly important. I mean, do you have any um, natural resources in Israel to, to create food with?
1: To create food with? Um, we do. We do have. Um, we also purchase a lot. We export quite a bit. I mean, my company doesn't do any export, but the country the country does export. It does. Sure. We, we, we export um, quite a bit of fruits and vegetables. Um, that's pretty big for export, but we import whatever we need, you know, fair trade, you know?
0: It's amazing. It, it, so not that this has got nothing to do with the topic, but- the way Israel has figured out how to move water around the country is yeah it's it, a, yeah it's crazy it, you know it, it's absolutely otherworldly it's amazing so I mean that you can grow fruit there is kind of <laughs> insane right <laughs> yeah wow that's something okay so that's it it's an important interesting job did you move it's there it's important for it? and
1: it's also considered essential because it's food so I've been working straight through this whole COVID thing
0: <laughs> you didn't get a COVID break.
1: Nope, did not get a COVID break because people have to eat, even if they're stuck at home.
0: Yeah, no kidding. My wife has been working uh, nonstop in my dining room for seven months now.
1: Seven months? Yeah. Yeah, That's what we're up to.
0: Her company has uh, one of the... one of the uh, vaccinations that, that they're working on, and she's oh, wow. very diligently working on making sure that it'll be safe and reported correctly and stuff like that.
1: Well, so. let me, on behalf of the entire planet, we're all looking forward to the vaccine.
0: Yeah, I know. I, you know? I look over there, and I'm like, God, I hope they're getting close to this. Uh, right. But anyway, okay, so you you're diagnosed with type 1 at 45 years old.
1: Forty-seven. Forty-seven. Well, though, I appreciate me. you making me younger than I am. <laughs>
0: well, listen, you can be however old you want if you want, but forty-seven. I'm sorry. Um, what were the first signs?
1: First signs. You know how everyone says how they don't notice the signs in their like in their kids when they like as a parent, people yeah. don't notice the signs. People, like everyone on your podcast has said that how they missed all the signs. Right, right. You think you'd think that I would have noticed the signs in myself, um, but my. My son, who is now 15 at the time, was just turning 13, so we were planning his bar mitzvah, and it was a big, glorious affair, and... I was just really, really involved and I work full time at a very intense job. So everything was just really busy and stressful and hectic. And I felt quite run down. And I blamed it on my poor kids, bar mitzvah and the F's bar mitzvah. And I just like, I'm not recovering. People make affairs all the time. People throw parties all the time. And why am I just not feeling recovered? I just felt like I was run down and I kept blaming this poor kid. And 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 I just didn't you know, I felt like I was just run down from working too hard. Yeah. And, and then the night that I got up four times to use the bathroom, I said, that is not okay. I'm finished nursing. There's no reason why I'm up four times in one night. I'm done with that. I'm done with infants. Mm. And that day I went to the doctor and I said, you know, I think I have diabetes. He said, well, why do you think that? And I said, cause I got up last night four times to pee. And he said, well, let's have a look. And it was four seconds later. And it's like, indeed, you do have diabetes.
0: <laughs> How much of the, of the road trip to Washington from when you were a kid, did you remember that? No. Of course I remember
1: that. You oh, did, yeah, that was very vivid. Uh, the second I got, the second, when I woke up that morning after going to the bathroom four times that night, I I, I knew. Wow. It would have been better had I noticed the signs, you know, four weeks prior, because I wouldn't have felt so lousy by the time I actually got to the doctor, and I'd lost 30 pounds, which for the dress I was wearing at the bar mitzvah was awesome. Uh, <laughs> it looked amazing, <laughs> which was lovely, but <laughs> I should have realized that this is not okay. Yeah. It's not okay. So by wow. the time I went to the doctor, I was really feeling very lousy.
0: 30 pounds is a significant amount off of anyone's frame. It's yeah, a, it well, really I'm, I'm
1: four foot ten.
0: Well, but it, still, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a big chunk of weight in a short amount of time. And if you didn't make some significant change to your, cal- your caloric intake, um, I don't think that you would see that. God, I don't so think I you was would see exercising
1: like crazy because I wanted to fit into this dress. Okay, so I was exercising quite a bit. So I thought, okay, I'm doing a really good job, and I was watching what I ate because, like I said, I was planning for this party. So I I assumed that I was doing a really good job, and obviously, looking back now, that's ridiculous. You know, no one, no one looks that did, good. It, did, it doesn't make any sense, David. and I was just.
0: You know know what? You can tell you're from another generation because if you were younger, you'd immediately have put yourself on Instagram and called yourself a a workout influencer. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. I knew something was wrong.
1: But I didn't connect the dots because I was so – I was busy and work was very busy. Work is always busy. And and, and that was it. And I went to the doctor. And when he said, oh, yeah, you have diabetes. And like, okay, I'm not at all surprised. What happens now? He says, well – now you have to go to the emergency room just to make sure you're not in DKA, which I wasn't. Mm-hmm. But he just needed to rule that out. And apparently, he couldn't do that in his office. That has to be done in the hospital. I don't understand that. But apparently, that's the case. And the hospital was um was a two-day stay in the hospital. And they were convinced it was type 2. And I said, why are you convinced of that? Like, I'm presenting as type 1. I'm not stupid. Like, I, I know what the signs are.
0: It's in my family. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And i,
1: I said they there arguing with the doctor. I'm like, "Why? Why are you saying that? I need insulin. Like, I know what I need. I need insulin." He's like, "No, no, metformin will be good enough for now. You'll see your family doctor. He'll follow up."
0: Do so you think just based on your your body construction and your age, they just assumed it was type two? Yeah, yeah,
1: for sure, for sure, for sure, it was the age because the pre- the presentation was completely type one. So because the medical system here is all connected. My GP who sent me to the hospital saw my discharge papers the next day, like they get electronically transferred. So he saw them right away. And he called me and he said, you need to see an endocrinologist immediately. I've sent your file over. He's going to call you for an appointment. And it was, it was clear to him and endocrinologist right away said, no, no, we have to test you for antibodies. This is, this is probably not type two. And right away it was properly diagnosed oh that's right
0: excellent that, that quickly so the hospital got it wrong and
1: hospital wrong because it was a weekend and if you you know a little bit about israel it was a weekend during the high holiday season so it's like christmas in new york no one's working between right. christmas and new year's it's the same thing here during the high holiday season and it was a regular doctor on call it wasn't an endo in the hospital who saw me mm-hmm. and what took so long here and this is uh I don't want. I don't want to say it's a flaw in the system, but although the endocrinologist over the phone had ordered the antibody test because he he guessed that that what was going on, I didn't actually see him for another two months. It took a long time because our government collapsed and we had immediate elections. and The day I was supposed to see him, and then he got sick, and it was like a whole story. So it took two months, and every and I'm just feeling worse and worse and worse. And but two months later, that it was solved. So. You're saying quickly. I wish it was quicker, but I guess I can't complain because I know people have it much worse. No, that's interesting, and,
0: though. Yeah. Like, so it it went from hey, you have type two to immediately no, no, that's type one to two months to get insulin. Yes. Were you in Indeed. DKA by then?
1: I, I was not. No. I guess I was must have been honeymooning. Huh.
0: Well, must that's have been. I, I don't
1: know. I don't know because I was definitely not in DKA. Definitely not.
0: So this thirty five dollar healthcare, cheap <laughs> but not quick.
1: So. It's it's uh yeah exactly. <laughs> I I I should say that. It yes. Yeah, it, it's 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 not quick. It isn't. it's, it's it, it, it could be quicker. I think because the discharge papers said type 2, the medical system like the way it's written into the system didn't take it as urgent. Had had anybody written down on any paper this is a definite type 1, it would have been treated with urgency. It it would have been dealt with much
0: I say, you
1: know, much quicker. Yeah. But because the system is all connected, anybody who looked at my files, like, oh, type two, okay, whatever. She'll wait another week, Damn. and then that just kept happening, and the equipment just kept being pushed off, until I finally got to see him. That's and the only reason why I got to see him after two months, not even not three months, when they wanted me to come in, is because at that point I had gotten the antibody blood test back, and it was well over five hundred, and I and I knew what that meant because I'd been you know, online reading. And I've been mm-hmm. listening to you and I knew what that meant. So I called the nurse's office and I said, I need to see this doctor immediately because I need insulin. Now she's no, you're on metformin. It takes a while. You'll still feel better. It's okay. And I said, listen, sweetheart, <laughs> open up my file. Cause I know you have access to it. And you tell me what you're seeing. And then she's like, oh, you're right. You Wait, come in today at one o'clock.
0: No kidding. And I was there. David, you found the podcast before you found insulin?
1: I found a podcast before I found insulin. How did intake. that happen? How did that happen? Yeah. Because, um, hmm, had that happen, I guess I wanted to learn as much as possible so that when I would get to this appointment, I would be prepared with all my questions. Wow. Because otherwise, you go in and you feel like you're being talked at and the doctor is just telling you what to do and I didn't want a situation where now I have to wait another 2 months before I get to see him again with any follow-up questions. I just wanted to have everything straight in my head so that I could ask the right questions and thank God, you know, I went in there, I probably had 4 or 5 pages of notes of questions and we just banged them all out because I wanted to really understand because that is why, six weeks later, I had an A1C that went down from 9.5 at diagnosis right. to 5.7. That's
0: really cool. Because that's, I knew what I was doing. Yeah, they, yeah, because you you had practiced ahead of time. Like, you really made sure you understood long before you got there. That's a, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, a, it, yeah. That's really industrious of you. Seriously. Because, and I guess were you, I, I don't know what to say here. Like, I don't know how to guess. Were you more or less afraid of it because- of your sisters, I was having. I was
1: more afraid of it. For think. sure, I was more afraid. I was hundred percent more afraid. And I said, "It is. It's, I have small children, and it is my responsibility to see them to adulthood. I cannot afford not to be around for them." And and it was for sure from fear that I I needed to make sure that I was very well. But I'll tell you what else helped me because the hospital was convinced I was type two. I went to see a dietitian for type two within two days of being released from the hospital. So she gave me a whole regimen of like of how to treat type two in terms of low carb and low glycemic and all that stuff. So right away I was eating in a much in a much better way. No insulin, but I was eating so much better okay. right away. So I, I just jumped right in.
0: Yeah. Is that something you kept up? The the kind yes. of dieting style?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was I was doing it for two months before I got the insulin. I was like, okay, okay two months, I can do it. And you know what? It's it's working. Yeah. And every so often, if I if I'm like if I have to have a piece of cheesecake, I do it. But it's really not the norm because it's just not worth it. It's not worth the headache, the hassle, and it's it's just not worth it for me. I prefer eating low carb and low glycemic. Although I do eat, but I it's just easier to calculate. And I'm on MDI also. And. I don't know if that would be different if I was switched to a pump. I don't know. What do you hear from your listeners? You, you feel I, like I don't
0: So you're doing you're doing lower carb, you're saying more out of a, a management style that it's easier to control because there's not as much fluctuation and, and glycemic load from foods. But you're wondering if you had a pump and you could inject more frequently if you wouldn't right. Try more cheesecake. Yeah. I'm assuming cheesecake is yeah. the thing you miss yeah. the most. <laughs>
1: that is the thing I miss the most, indeed. So, yeah. Just so, that actually was a question, not a statement. So, do you have an answer?
0: Well, I think that it's interesting. I just yesterday, I've been doing this series of like how we eat conversations, getting people on that have different dieting styles. And I just interviewed Mike yesterday. It'll be up before this, but hasn't um, been up yet, who is eating in a, a completely keto lifestyle. And he described That he had had diabetes, you know, his whole life, and it was fairly poorly controlled. He was diagnosed a very long time ago, and, you know, insulin wasn't the same, and testing wasn't the same. And he got to a point where he said that his doctor told him he was diagnosed so long ago that he wasn't going to live past 30. That was his, you know, prognosis getting diagnosed. And when he got to 30, he was out of shape and uh, not doing well, and a new doctor said to him, like, you know, basically, man, you got to pull this together, or you're not going to make it much longer. And so he got serious about it, um, dieted himself down, you know, took care of his blood sugars more accurately, but it wasn't until he found the podcast that he really figured everything out. And then he got to the point where he really understood his insulin was doing great, had a very much lower a one C, uh, but then made a switch to keto. And, um, you know, which is, you know, the way he described it, it's, you know, there's you know, he's just I think he's got twenty nine carbs a day he eats and it all sounds like it comes from from vegetables. Um and his blood sugars now are just much more stable and he says he doesn't miss those foods anymore. Um but but the minute that some of the that he tried to introduce something back he didn't even feel well. So I don't know. I think it's person to person. Like he doesn't seem to miss it. Um but if you did then you know, if you find yourself missing certain foods at some point and you need to be more aggressive or or stagger insulin differently through meals, I mean maybe, I don't know you, maybe if you had a pump on you'd take a shot at it. I'm not sure.
1: I don't know. I yeah. I, I can't eat, handle even wearing earrings, so I can't imagine walking around with a pump. That's what's stopping me unless it was a great benefit towards for it like what, I have to be able to know what problem I'm solving that a pump would actually be better because I don't mind the, sh- the MDI I, I don't mind shots you know I can give six seven shots a day and I'm okay with that right um, if I need it you know I, I actually don't mind the shots um, I if the pump would help me keep better control then I would then I would absolutely try it but I'd have to really be convinced of that and that's that I'm looking to ask you to convince me but I, I am still Trying to figure figure that out because I really, like I said, I, I can't even stand wearing earrings. I really find anything attached to me unpleasant, and I do wear I wear a, um, a li- Libra. How do you pronounce it? Libra. Yeah. Libra. So I do wear that, which is what they call here a CGM, and 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 I feel like I can't live without that, and I'm not willing to give that up. So I, I kind of suffer through that, even though I find it very unpleasant. Uh-huh. But I but I do it because I I feel like that's the best way to to
0: manage. Yeah, there's a. The, uh, uh- a trade-off you feel like that you don't like wearing something but the benefit outweighs your desire not to wear something I mean listen I think it's I think a pump is is you know isn't it gives you a couple of advantages that you can't have over MDI right It gives you the ability to manipulate your basal insulin so right now you're putting in your basal insulin probably once a day and it's just working the way it works. But with a pump, you don't take that insulin, that slow-acting insulin anymore. You have your fast-acting insulin that's working both as your meal insulin and as your basal. And so you can tell it, you know, uh, between this hour and this hour, I get, I don't know, 0.5 units an hour of of basal. But, uh, you know, my blood sugar tries to get high every night between 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. So maybe from 2 a.m. to 5 a.m., I'm going to raise my basal from 0.5 to 0.8. I don't know, like something like that. You'd have that control over that. You'd also be able to take in protein. Um, I, I don't know if you're noticing that protein, as it's digested, gets transferred into glucose so, much later. Right. So you could, you know, the way Mike described it and the way others have in the past, he eats his whole, you know, keto meal and doesn't bolus till he's done, but sometimes has to create what they call an extended bolus to stretch that insulin out over kind of the impact time of the of the protein rise and that's one thing you can't do with mdi in mdi you'd have to inject and in a little bit and inject a little bit later and try to right so, stretch that, so that's that what i do you yeah.
1: know for the meals i inject could be multiple times for one meal based depending on what i'm eating mm-hmm. I, I get that for the basil is there any way to manipulate basil with mdi it's well, not it's
0: it, not possible well there is, if you, it depends on which basil you're using. So the much newer ones are so effective, like uh, Bazeligar, um, and there's a couple of them. But if you're using like Levimere, Lantis, the older ones, do you know which one you're using?
1: I'm using something called Toujeo. I don't know if that's a brand name. Yeah, or- that's
0: a newer one. And and so if it's covering real well for you over 24 hours, then there's not much to do. Those older basils don't seem to last the whole twenty four hours, even though they're supposed to. So some people split their dose every twelve hours to create a more kind of even blanket of basal insulin. That, that's really the only thing about manipulating basal that I would consider, and it would be with those older insulins, not the one you're using. I don't think. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I guess I don't. I don't think I could talk you into wanting to pump. I don't. And I don't <laughs> think you need to be talking to it. Honestly, well,
1: I. I, I want to see, I'm, I'm still looking into it i'm, I'm thinking about it because i'm wondering if there would be a real benefit then i i would do it but i'd like to see my graph even better um how do you when you define sh- uh you know in range
0: mm-hmm.
1: are you if it's going up and down but it's within the range do you call that a spike
0: so what's your uh, okay what's your range i'm
1: set at i'm set between 70 and 130 that's my high and my low okay. 70 to 130.
0: And your uh, would you consider your bouncing? Meaning, do you have to stop the rise with insulin, and then stop the food with, or, and then stop the fall with food, or is it just- within within
1: within that range, within seventy to one thirty? Would you st- would you consider that at all a spike? <sighs>
0: I mean, how often, how frequently? Like I'm just trying after to avoid meal? spikes.
1: Like you want it to be as straight as possible. So when you're defining straight, does straight mean anything within my, my range that I've set? Or does straight mean a straight line with a ruler? Like my base overnight is a straight line like a ruler, yeah. obviously. Uh, during the day, is my goal even to get to that point? Is that possible?
0: So here's how I think of it. And and Jenny, if you've listened to any of the pro tip episodes, so Jenny will say the same thing. You're looking for gentle rolling hills. Not sharp ups and sharp downs. And a person whose pancreas does work could see a spike, you know, 130 after a a particularly heavily, heavy carb meal, could even go to 140 if there's like a lot of sugar in there. But of course, their blood sugar is going to go up and kind of gently roll back down again and get flat. So the variability, the up and the down is not great for you. But up and down between 70 and 130, I mean, I have to be honest, I, I think Arden's graph mimics yours in that at times away from food, she's incredibly stable at, you know, lower blood sugars, 85 overnight usually. Um, and then when she gets to food, um, you know, depending on, on the impact of that food, we could see a spike. I don't think of a spike. I think a spike in my mind is 160. So the number's not maybe as important as the percentage it moves. you know. So if she's from 80 to 160 all of a sudden, her blood sugar has doubled. And that, to me, is a spike. You know what I mean? Like anything that continues on after that is still a spike. It's just more drastic. Um, If Arden is 80 when she eats and rolls up to 120 and comes back to 80 again, I'm okay with that. And I think there are people... Who would tell you no, you can accomplish that absolutely flat, straight line. And I think they're right. I think if you don't eat carbs, you absolutely can. I think if you are managing blood sugars in a younger person whose body maybe doesn't have all the hormones and and other things going on, I think you can. Um, I, you know, but so is it, I think then that becomes a life balance for you. And you have to say, do I want to not eat carbs ever again to have this? If I'm okay with that, then that's the right thing. Uh, if I want cheesecake sometimes, then maybe I'm low carb most of the time, but not, you know, around this. And I have to understand that that cheesecake is going to try to make my blood sugar go up and I'm going to have to counterbalance it with more insulin. I think it's a personal preference, honestly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So, can I ask you a question?
0: Please, I think that's what we're going to do. Go ahead.
1: That's what we're doing. No, 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 you've you. answered a bunch of them so far, I'm doing but good. now I have a straight out one. How could you say you don't? You hardly think about diabetes. You say, "Oh no," with my Dexcom and my Omnipod, I hardly think about it at all. I and really like, don't. Wh- what you're describing now, in my mind, feels like to keep that line really straight. You have not. You one would have to be thinking about diabetes all the time.
0: Well, how how long have you had type one now? Two, two, <laughs>
1: exactly two years
0: two years is it wait today's not your day is it no 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 okay, no. september
1: right. 13th so S- just two years and one month sometimes
0: <laughs> people end up on on their anniversary date and so that's why i <laughs> people are like today's my anniversary I'm like did you set that up on purpose um so Probably. how how indeed um i think it's i, I mean speaking for myself there certainly have been many points in my life when I would not have been able to say that, and and saying that would have been a lie. Now it's not, but it's it's just it's an amount of time that I've been doing it for so long that it just does what I what I wanted to do because I'm not making a lot of mistakes, and I don't mean mistakes in a judgy way. I just mean you know we get the insulin right for foods, uh, the basal settings are where they belong. We see things coming like stress and anxiety and handle them prior. Like Arden took a a PSAT the other day Mm -hmm. and she's been, you know, going to school from home forever now it feels like, but she had to go into the building yesterday for the PSAT. So now all of a sudden we experience feet on the floor. Like she got up in the morning, she had some adrenaline going because she was rushing around going to school we bolused right away, little bit of insulin coming out of, of bed for that, that little bump. And uh, a short time later, when we were in the car and heading to the school, I looked and her blood sugar was 115-ish, like in that area. And I looked and saw uh, an up kind of motion in her blood sugar. And we put more insulin in. So I put in insulin with a 115 blood sugar going into a SAT. And I wow. guarantee you most wow. people wouldn't do that.
1: No. Right? No. and But no. if they
0: didn't, what would happen is her blood sugar would keep going up and it would end up at 150 or so. And then it would sit there for a couple hours because I'd say, what would I say? Oh, well, she's taking her SAT. I don't want to bother her. Right? Like it would be that whole kind of free fall happens then. And none of it happened because – I did the right thing at the right time. I know what the right thing at the right time is because I have a ton of experience and no, I didn't think about it until the exact moment where we were driving down the street. And I thought, Oh, this is the part in the drive to school where we usually look at Arden's blood sugar. And so I said, Hey, you'll know, pull your phone out real quick. What's your blood sugar. And she told me, and I was like, let's put some insulin in and she did it. And that was it. I think that whole exchange took 20 seconds. And I didn't think about it after that because I know it's going to work. And I have settings on her Dexcom in places where it will alarm before anything goes wrong so that we can, if if there are smaller adjustments still left to be made, they can be made before things get out of whack. So I never let them get to that point. And if they do, and they will at some point, at some point I will mess up or you know, just something happens. When things get out of whack one way or the other, I'm incredibly good at fixing them quickly. But you will be too at some point.
1: I hope so. I feel like it's taking up a lot of my emotional headspace. And yeah. again, I don't know how much of that is related to my sister and how much of that is just because I'm new and I'm learning. And maybe I'm learning a lot all at once. You know, I was on your podcast, like I said, before even had insulin. Like right away, I'm learning everything. And it's just taking up a lot of my headspace. And I hope that goes away because it's – It's too much. Yeah.
0: No, and I think it does. I think it lessens as as time passes. I think it's about having experiences. I genuinely believe this. You have an experience. You react to it. The worst thing you can do is say to yourself, oh, like, that's just diabetes. That's going to keep happening. I'm always going to have these experiences. Because if you look closely enough, you'll see what happened you'll see that you have to bolus a 115 going into a test because the test is going to be you know there's going to be some anxiety with the test or how about the fact that she's rolling into this test and she's going to be sedentary for a while i know sedentary takes more insulin you know there's there's all kinds of like little things that you don't have to like i i'm not looking up into a mental whiteboard to finish figure things out anymore it's just the scenario tells my brain what to do. I don't know if that makes sense or not. It's it's like if you no, heard someone does, yell two plus two out in the, in the background in a conversation that you weren't in, you'd think subconsciously four. You know, like so I think going to school for a test early in the morning, insulin, and I know how much to use because I've done it before. And her basils are really great, and that is a part of it.
1: Right. Well, I know my, ba- I mean, I feel like my basal is, is correct. Cause like I said, I, I can measure it with a, a ruler. Like it is a straight line mm-hmm. overnight and I wish I could go all day fasting. You know, I, I wonder if that's, you know, <laughs> if that's a possibility, you know, I wonder about that, but that's what your podcast has given me. It's give me the courage to know, you know, what you're doing like that in the back of my mind, it's, it's like I say, that I have all this anxiety, but I also have a certain calmness that comes from some knowledge. Feeling like I know I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I, I and and you just said now and you reminded me, you just said now two plus two equals four. Well, because everyone knows that. And when I was first diagnosed
0: You didn't know that.
1: I was no, I had I was listening to five different podcasts and two years later, yours is the only one I'm still listening to. And one of them I dropped when she said, Oh, With diabetes, two plus two doesn't equal four. You know, two plus two. I think what was was it? You? Was one of your guests said it? Someone said it. Two plus two equals a banana, and I just felt like, oh no, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like that's just not true. Like sometimes things go wrong, but there's always a reason why it goes wrong.
0: But you understand why people feel that way, and so do I. And and with with limited knowledge and a, a vast misunderstanding of how insulin works, it would be very easy to think that it's completely random. And it's it has been, I think, until this podcast, very um, un-PC to suggest otherwise. I, I think I am the first person that I know in a modern diabetes space who said, look, you you can't just sit here and act like this is all random and you have no control over it whatsoever because then it just gets worse and worse and worse. And I'm not saying that you can be completely in control of diabetes or insulin, that's obviously not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there are a lot of things that are happening to people that they don't know why, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a reason why. And they often make incredibly um, reasonable decisions that are 100% wrong. And And my best example of this is always, a person comes you know, onto the web board or they contact me privately or something, and they're like, look at this graph. My kids' blood sugar. I'm always low. And then you look and I say, well, are, are all these lows after meals? Yes. All of your stability time is high. Like whenever you're stable, you're stable in the 140s, the 200s. And they're like, yeah. I said, well, you. it seems like you need more basal insulin. No, no, no. You don't understand. I'm always low. And I'm like, no, that's not what I think is happening. Here's what I think is happening. I think you don't have enough basal insulin because you don't have enough basal insulin, you're overcompensating at mealtimes with way too much meal insulin. You're putting it in, mistiming it, using too much. Your blood sugar's shooting way up, and then it comes crashing down. For some reason, the only part you see when you're trying to diagnose it is the crashing down part. Why don't you see the way up part? And so the lows so make people frightened that they can't possibly believe it. And then, I just did this this week with an 11-year-old boy. Doubled his basil. Kid's basil is 0.5. We made his basil one. Mom's like, no, 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 that's not going to work. I was like, look, you don't have to do it. It's your kid. I was like, but what I'm telling you is why don't you try it and see what happens. By the time we had it all figured out, in 36 hours, by the way, remotely, I'm not with them, okay? 36 hours later, this kid's blood sugars are terrific. They're amazing. And all of the extra insulin she was using correcting around meals and causing lows that's all in the basal now, and now she's not using that much insulin at meals, and everything is better. And it turned out it's the same amount of insulin in a 24-hour period. It was just all in the wrong place.
1: Wow. So, wow. But I, I hope I'll get. I want to get to a point where it's seamless, because what you're describing just sounds like an incredible amount of thought process, which we do what we have to do, but it's, it's taking up too much of my life. And, and I don't want to be that person who's completely consumed by, by this.
0: But here's the good news. And I, I think I mean this. I already put the effort into it.
1: Yeah. Right? you're sharing it. And I
0: just explained it, I think as simply as it can be explained.
1: Right. That's true. Good right? point. Good point. And so, so,
0: and so if someone hears that and says, well, no, that's not right. I mean, there's nothing I can do about that. And I might not be right. And by the way, that might not be everyone's situation. There are some people whose, you know, basil is way too strong and they're constantly eating and causing spikes with the eating. But it's all about the same six problems just juggled around in different places. And I can see it now because I've looked at it so frequently. And I think the podcast, I think the pro tip episodes of this podcast are about the best best information around about using type 1 di- uh about using insulin for type 1 diabetes that exists anywhere. I think it is yeah. the most digestible and easy to consume and uh I I I would think that anyone who listened through those pro tip series got a firm grasp of it could have an A1C in the 6s in literally no time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that it, but see the other thing here is too. You seem like a bit of a perfectionist, Eva. <laughs> Could that be true? Well,
1: I wanted my daytime to be like my, my, my daytime graph to look like my nighttime graph and it doesn't far from it, far from it. And I don't know if that's even attainable. Maybe I have to just focus like what you said down, which is new information for me on the percentage of the jump and not jump itself. Maybe that's worth focusing on.
0: Well, what's well, interesting. Yeah, I, 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 I want to say like, it doesn't look like overnight, but you're not going above one thirty. Is that correct?
1: Uh, I'm about 70, 78 or 80% in range. So I am a little bit over one thirty, but okay. not, not a lot, but I am sometimes I'd like it to be less. I'd love to be 90% in range. I want to be hundred percent in range, you know? Oh, oh um, and I
0: think you will. I, I, I think that you absolutely will, but it's, it's going to, if I'm guessing, I can't see your, your, your numbers, right? But my guess is that if you concentrate now well let me ask this question first overnight you said you're nice and steady nice and steady where what number
1: 90 95
0: okay so nice and steady 95 beautiful let's assume that that basil's really pretty close okay I could make an argument for 85 but whatever now we're next morning we we show up you're're you're 90 95 95 you eat you go to 130 140, 150, and you come back down again you're 95 again after the meals over two three hours later. Yes?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yes. I want to say yes.
0: You probably just need a tiny bit more insulin for your meal. Maybe it needs to be timed slightly better. But you're very close to begin with. Can you picture that rolling hill in your mind?
1: I'm, I'm trying to. Yeah.
0: And you just, yeah. if, if, if you eat and your blood sugar shoots straight up, comes back down, and goes right back to 95 again later, you did not pre-bolus... The, the impact of the of the carbs well enough, right? You didn't give the insulin time to get working before it had to fight with the carbs. If you put your insulin in and eat and your blood sugar goes up very gradually, very gradually and kind of stays up there and never comes back and you have to put in a little more insulin to bring it down, your pre-bolus was probably pretty good. You didn't use quite enough insulin, Right. If Got it. it wow. Well, yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I hear you. I hear you.
0: If it shoots up and stays up, not enough insulin, not enough pre balls. It's just there's and, and these aren't hard and fast concrete rules. They're just great places to begin diagnosing what's happening.
1: Wow. Okay. I just wrote that down. Did I you really? Are you taking wrote notes? Oh, yeah. When you take notes, yeah. you blow
0: my ego way up. Don't do that. Or just don't tell me at the very least. Oh,
1: I shouldn't. Uh, no. Why? You but it's you're busy just... saving lives yeah. here. No, I'm serious. And and I have an excellent dietitian and I have an excellent endo and I'm really happy. But somehow this just doesn't come up in those conversations. You know, the look at my graphic like, oh, you know, 78% in range, you're doing awesome. You know, good for you. Gold sticker. Which is nice, but why can't it be better?
0: Yeah. Well. I wonder
1: if their standards are too low. Like.
0: Well, don't, don't you? I I mean, look, for you because you have you have more desire, right, to to do better. But you have to always have to think that those people are they're dealing with masses of people at a time, and they don't have they don't have a way to know who they're speaking to, right? So it's it's a it's a much different situation. They can't just give you know. They, they can't give, uh, I usually say ninja level information, but I was thinking maybe Israeli army level situation for this scenario, <laughs> but they can't give ninjas information to people who wouldn't know how to use it. And they also don't know if their basils correct. They don't, and they don't know. Sometimes I hear back from people who are like, I talked to my doctor. He don't understand what I'm saying. I moved my basal up. He yelled at me, he said, you're going to get low, but I'm not low. Then I showed him I'm not low. And he still said, "You're going to get low." This person now, I believe, is working with outdated information or doesn't have a good firm grasp about how insulin works. How is that doctor going to give you good advice about how to change your pre-bolus time by a few minutes to stop a one thirty spike? They're going to look at a one thirty spike and go, "This is perfect." Right. And because
1: right. no, that, that's exactly what what I'm being told. This is right. perfect, and and I appreciate it. You know, I love my little gold sticker; it's adorable, but it just he, and i wonder if part of him is also feeling like okay, because of my age you know by the time the negative effects of you know high glucose really affects me you know i don't know I'll oh be, you think he might be I'll thinking
0: be you might he might be thinking eh it won't matter
1: <laughs> exactly. I, I wonder if that's in the back of his mind. Like maybe with a kid, you'd be more aggressive because you want them to have a really long full life and you don't want the effects of, you know, the high blood sugars to hit them when they're still, you know, in, the, in their prime. But by me, it's like, eh, she'll be 80. What's the difference? You I know, act- I wonder if that's like the attitude for older people. I don't know. I don't yeah.
0: know. Well, I can tell you this. I, I've spoken to, I believe I've spoken to thousands of people about their blood sugars at this point and you're going to be okay. I can tell when I'm talking to people six months from now, you're going to send me another note and you're going to be like, Oh my God, Scott, I listened to more of the podcast and you're still my best friend and my blood sugars. I figured out how to stop that spike now and I'm still on MDI and it's going great. Or I got a pump and I, that's how I, you're, you're going to figure it out. I think most of this is, is information and drive. Like a drive to do it and avoiding the, the drama that comes with it. Because I think that every time you get sucked into the drama, you miss, you miss the lessons. You know what I mean? Like when you're busy running around yelling, Oh my God, my blood sugar, it always does this. This sucks. It's terrible. I hate diabetes. While you're doing that, you're missing what's happening right in front of you. That is the answer to how to fix it next time. And then you just have to have that experience again until you finally shut up and pay attention and, and see what happened.
1: So here's where the, where I don't yet build well enough on my experiences, which are right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm really actively working on this. Um, going low, and I, I'm sure this is a crawl, I'm sure this is for other people as well. I can't imagine I'm the only nut out there who feels this way. It's terrifying. Like feeling low and starting to shake, it's so unpleasant and so scary. Yeah. I always, not always, I don't say always come getting better, but I often overcorrect. It's like, okay, because I'm not feeling well in that moment, and like, okay, oh if I don't. Eat all this right now! I'm gonna die, which is of course
0: the feeling you get. I don't know. It's, it's, no, it's, it's your body me. telling you. Uh, we need carbs. Do it now. Hurry up.
1: Yeah, but yeah, yeah but you don't eat so much. You know, there's a there, there's a limit, and I'm still trying to like sit on my hands and like tell my husband, okay, hold me back because I don't want to eat more because <laughs> I know I ate enough and I just need to wait ten minutes and I'll be fine. And I'm still working on that. But there's a good example of you know what's going to happen, and you've been through this, and you should learn your lesson. And yet here I am, intelligent adult, not learning my lesson. And and I I would like to feel like. Well, experiences should be imprinted in my brain, so they don't have to think about it so much. And I'm not there yet. I'm still thinking all the time, yeah. and the experiences are not a seamless. And and I want to get to the point where they will be, and hopefully soon.
0: Yeah, and I have to say that if you're going to be slow on one aspect of this, that that's a good one to be slow on. You, you know what I mean? Like it's a real because it, it could be a real safety situation. You don't want to just. Like, can you imagine sitting there with a juice in your hand going, no, I'm not going to, and then pass out because, you, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Because you're not you're not sure how to handle it yet. I mean, listen, it, at this point, I've seen my daughter's blood sugar try to get low so many times that I can, like, you know, when people talk about like, oh, I was low all night. I couldn't get it up. That only happens like twice a year here because when I see the low, I know how to impact it. And so once you learn how to, Do it, and when I say learn, I mean 100% understand how to do it. Not just like I've done it three times and I think I'm good at it now, Uh, you know. But like really, you've got six, eight months. You've stopped dozens and dozens of lows. You can see on your on your data, especially if you're wearing a glucose monitor, right? You can see the pitch of falls, and you can figure it out. Like, listen, I can, I can correct an incredibly high blood sugar with a massive amount of insulin and introduce food that stops the insulin from creating a low. And I didn't learn that in two years, just so you know, it, it took, it took longer than that. Um, but, but the, the advantage is that
1: the low gets corrected much faster because of the large amount of insulin. And then you give food how, how much later?
0: Say, say, repeat that. I didn't hear the first two words.
1: Okay. My question was you obviously gave a lot of insulin up front because you wanted to be aggressive to treat the low, mm-hmm. but now you have too much insulin. So now you have to give food. How much time did you wait between A and B?
0: So there's the thing. I can't tell you that. I can see it, but I can't tell you. It's all feeling. I just look at that graph and I'm like, "Mm, now, and it's, it's, it's just art. It's, it's not science. I'm sure there's a science to it. I'm sure that there's someone who could figure it out. I am not that person. And there's also a ton of variables in front of it that you don't have for your equation. And if there weren't, you wouldn't be 250 to begin with. You know what I mean? Because once you're, once you're 200, you're 250, you're 300, you're 400, you've bought something so incredible incredibly, you can't possibly diagnose what you've botched. And so my idea there is bunch of insulin for the number, and we all know that even when you do that, it takes forever to fall down, but we need food in the future. So why don't we put in the bunch of insulin for the number and the insulin for the food and then catch the drop with the meal? And that's that's one of the ways that I crush high blood sugars. But I wouldn't tell somebody to do that unless they were really practiced and incredibly confident. And I also, it's not something I would do without a glucose monitor as well. Because, but but I can see the pitch in the line as it's dropping. And I have a feeling for time and distance and how much insulin when you introduce the food and, you know, and then the the goal is to bring that blood sugar in for like a smooth landing, like a plane, just down and flat. And I am uh, pretty good at it. And other people are too who are listening, and you will be one day as well.
1: And, I hope so. Yeah. Um, that, that is that is totally um, my goal. I have a last question on my list, which we didn't touch on. Have you heard among your listeners that a sensor is more accurate on one part of their body than another?
0: I think that people's devices are person to person about where they get their best. Like You'll hear people say, like, I put my pump on my thigh. It's terrific. And the next person's like, oh, my thigh doesn't work. You know, I love the back of my arm. Uh I get bad absorption there. Like it's I think it's, you know, it's about that sensor wire finding that interstitial fluid and you know, and working there as best as possible. So you're looking for, you know, uh meatier places, maybe, uh places that it's not being pulled and torqued uh laid on. The, those kind of situations. But yeah, I, I would truly believe that you'll find places on your body where that Libre will work better than others. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So you're saying
1: it's, that's not unusual. No. I, I've, I've been looking it up and I haven't seen much written about that, but I was wondering about that because my my right side is definitely not as accurate as my left side.
0: I think it's important to remember that when these products come to market, that the FDA requires them to test it in areas and prove it in areas. And that that is a time-consuming process. And if it wasn't a time-consuming process, I wonder if they wouldn't test it in more areas. Meaning, I wonder if there aren't areas on some people that would work better than the Uh FDA-approved areas for other people. And if maybe you don't have to maybe create your own little science experiment to figure it out. I I always bring up Chris Freeman. He's a a former Olympic cross-country skier who's been on the show a couple times. The man has the body fat of uh, a piece of wood, and okay. um, and I, I've i seen him wear his Omnipod and his Dexcom on his chest. Wow. So wow. that's where he found that it worked for him. Wow. Yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah. Figure it out. I, I think that <laughs> most of this is figure it out. Like when people say to me, how long, how much? I'm like, I don't know. Figure it out. Try this much, then try more, then try a little sooner, mm-hmm. a little later. Like you got to... Figure if you're waiting for someone to tell you do this in this exact amount at this exact time and it's going to go perfectly. If you're expecting that, you are misunderstanding how insulin works. You know
1: that that was one of the um, the first lines of yours that like that stuck with me where you said I don't know more <laughs> <laughs> and like and since I've heard that you've you've said it you know a bunch of times like it comes up a lot like I don't know just more yeah. and and that stuck with me because that's just how you have to do it. Just, just don't be afraid be courageous, just do more, and then we'll figure it out later.
0: Well, in, in my mind, David, it just makes sense. If I use, you know, if I use one and it's not enough, I mean, am I going to just come back and try one every day and go, huh, didn't right. work again? That, I mean, <laughs> that's just doesn't make any sense. Um, right, right, right. And maybe my, listen, maybe my arrogance or ignorance or, you know, or or just my desire to not see that happen to my daughter allowed me finally to say, I'm just going to try some more here and see what happens. But I think that for many, many people who are suffering from incredibly high blood sugars, I think it's fascinating that the first thing they don't think is I must not have enough insulin. But I guess what happens is eventually they pile up enough insulin in the wrong place. They crash low. And that's the touchstone. I'm low. I got low today. I can't be low. I'll make my blood sugar even higher so I don't get low. I see the thinking, but it's flawed and incorrect. You don't keep your blood sugar high so that you don't get low. You keep your blood sugar stable and good so that you don't get high so that you don't get low. That's it. They're, they're taking out the common sense step and just adding the fear. And, and, and all of that, by the way, forget diabetes for a second. The way we think about everything is informed by the generation before us, right? We grow up with our parents telling us something. And we either recognize it to be true, believe it even though it's not true, or rebel against it because we've seen it's not right. That's it. And it, you could apply that to politics, the way you think about civil rights, You could, and you can, you can apply it to insulin. If you ever really go back and listen to this podcast straight through, I'm just living diabetes the way I live everything else. That's it. It's common sense. It's taking out emotion, taking out what I think is right. Because how would I know what's right? I'm, I'm, you know, this is my first time with diabetes on my first day. Um, You know, like why would I apply what I think to something I don't understand in any meaningful way? And then somebody comes in, a doctor, some some nice lady in a Facebook page, something like that, and says three random things to you, which now you believe to be absolutely stone cold fact. Because that person knows more than you do. So now you just believe them word for word. The amount of people I see trying to apply a statement they heard from someone else to their life as if it's a puzzle that will fit, I think it's fascinating. Like sometimes you just see people read something online and misinterpret it. And then they try to apply it like a rule for the rest of their lives and won't let go of it. We are so indoctrinated into wanting to believe that someone else knows better than we do. It's a fascinating human thing.
1: Oh, it's for sure true, especially in the medical, especially dealing with um, medical issues because we we want to feel like we're being taken care care, care of, like someone's taking care of us.
0: Yeah, listen, I don't want to get too um, (laughs) uh, like wavy gravy here with you, uh, Deva, but a lot of the things you're comfortable about is really just, you know, society building up Oh, do you know, just think about Linus with his blanket. Is Linus safe or is he holding the blanket? <laughs> you know, so he's no more safe than everybody else in that group, but he feels better because he's got his blanket. Then I'm assuming at some point in his life, his parents told him, you'll be safe with this buddy, you, you know, or he attached right. himself to it. And I think that, listen, I live in a nice neighborhood, right? You can appreciate this better than anybody probably. I live in a nice neighborhood. It's fairly safe. That does not mean that three guys can't come blowing through my front door right now with guns, rape my wife, steal my kids, take all my stuff and shoot me in the head. That doesn't mean that can't happen. And the fact that I genuinely believe that will never happen is as much true as it is a fallacy that I've created in my head by telling myself I live in a safe neighborhood. Now, am I going to run around for the rest of my life thinking that this is going to happen? I am not. But a lot of the things that we're comforted by aren't real. And, you know, I think it happens around diabetes as well. I think we tell people things to make them feel comfortable. I think we tell people things to take away their guilt. I think we tell people things to take away their shame. And, you know, I think for some people that might be necessary because they might be teetering on the edge. But for the rest of us, we're hearing hearing those things like there's some sort of rules. And we're trying to apply them to using insulin and our lives. And um, to me... You know, if fire puts out – if fire is, extinguished, is uh, extinguished by water and I spray a little bit of water on it and it doesn't go out, my first thought is, oh, this must be the special kind of fire. I think more water. And I don't – I see this all in a very similar way.
1: Oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. It's true. Just more. Just You just need more.
0: It would – I, I, somebody said to me the other <laughs> yeah. day, can you help me when I put my kid in the car and go for long rides – his blood sugar goes way up. I've doubled his basal, and it won't come down. And my response was, "Why does the percentage that you move the basal impact your thought process? Because because now now she believes. Well, I've doubled it, and that didn't work, so it's not that. Where I would say, "Well, have you tripled it? Have you quadrupled it? Maybe there, the the kid's body is presenting a need for insulin that you're not meeting. There is no other thing to do in this situation. Your blood sugar is higher." You need more insulin. It, that that's it. If your blood sugar is lower, you need less insulin. It's um it's a fairly common sense idea, uh and and but but that percentage thing I want to get back to. We all do that. Uh, my kid got diagnosed. His his basal rate was 0.2 an hour, and now his blood sugar is to three hundred all the time. I don't know. I moved his basal to 0.4. I doubled it. That has to be enough. Well, it's obviously not. But you get caught up in the number because that number now seems so big because you were working with such a small number to begin with. And by the way, if that kid's story was uh, his basal rate was two units an hour and now his his blood sugars are 300 all the time and I moved it to 2.3, well, it's still not right. And I know and there's I hear people with type one talk about like shame around like somehow Someone said this to me recently. I wish I remember who it was because I thought it was such a great point. Um, she said, somehow in the diabetes community amongst adults, using less insulin is kind of chic. Or it seems like you're doing better if you're using less. Have you ever had that thought?
1: I, I Not for myself, but I've, I've definitely heard it out there. Not mm-hmm. for myself. I feel like, oh, well, if that's what I need, that's what I need. That actually never impacted me personally but I've definitely heard it out there yeah. it's like a status symbol oh yeah um, because I'm a keto so I, I don't need any insulin like that, that kind of attitude but right. just, and I'm not saying
0: sense. I'm not say, listen I'm not saying that there's not some I don't know right I'm not a doctor and I think there are probably doctors who don't know as well but I'm not saying that if you had some amazingly perfect diet that was you know 100% right for your body that you might not use less insulin I think that's probably true but there's the difference between reality and what would be true in a perfect situation, and not every person can go eat a keto diet for the rest of their lives. Some people okay. just can't pull it together; they can't do it, or they don't want to, and and all that's important. Your desires are important, um, and so if you want to, you know, if you want to eat cheesecake, you need to understand how much insulin cheesecake takes. That's it. I don't, I don't, boy, I'll tell you, Dave, I don't see all this as being very complicated. Am I an idiot, maybe? <laughs> Maybe I'm the one that's messed up. You all no, are just no, no, listening. No,
1: no, it's, it's not complicated, but it's still taking up too much of my head space. Yeah. But, but the idea of like too much insulin. So that was in my list of five pages of worth of questions that when I, when I saw my endo after two months. So one of them was Is there a maximum amount of insulin that I can take a day? Like, is there a limit that I'm allowed? You know, just in terms of how, how it impacts the rest of my body and everything. And he was like, You need to take as much as you need. Right. You know, that's, so his answer was spot on, but I, I wasn't in the system enough to really grasp what he meant, but he meant basically what you're saying. It's like, you yeah. need what you need and that's what you take. And he didn't put a cap on how much <laughs> I just have to get better at not thinking about it so much. And we're getting there.
0: Well, I appreciate it. Listen, I, again, this would be armchair, uh, armchair psychology from me, but if I was you, I'd look at myself and say, I'm doing really well. Maybe you should take a day off. Just don't like like you're 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 eating reasonably low carb. You're good at your meals. Why don't you just not think about it for a day? Are you serious? What? Not not check? No, not check? just I mean, just <laughs> do you, how does that Libre work? Does it have alarms? Will it tell you if you go over no, something?
1: It does not have yeah, alarms. You said no. junk. All right, hold on a has. second.
0: No. Well, then let's put yourself on a like. Why don't we say this? What if you said, "I'll check before a meal." and I'll give myself insulin the way I usually do and I'll I'll pick a meal that I'm I know I'm pretty good at and then I will thoughtfully not look at my blood sugar again for 2 hours oh wow right? And then, okay. because it's probably going to go the way you expect, because you sound like you're pretty good at it. Like, I mean, okay, how often so do you I'm, see some I'm crazy I'm already spike? sweating.
1: <laughs> Just no, no, listening no. to you say that, I am already sweating, but you know what? I take your challenge. I'll, I'm going to do it, even though I'm sweating. Try it.
0: And then what's the worst that could happen, right? And then look, and then, because what it's going to prove is it was okay, because you know what you're doing. And then you'll be able to stop thinking about it. Then you can look to look, not look because you're afraid you're about to see a clown under your bed with a knife and you have to look, right? So yeah, and <laughs> I, I will say this. If you had, I, I don't know what the situation is in Israel, but the Dexcom G6 would fix your problem.
1: I know with the alarms. Yeah, I, I'm because, looking into it. At the moment, I would have to pay for it out of pocket. Yeah, and, The Libra's free, but I would have to pay for the Dexcom and right I, now. And I'm but,
0: not telling you to spend money you don't have. What I'm telling you is that if you could set an alarm for 130 blood sugar and eat, then you could say to yourself, I don't have to think about this again unless I hear this alarm.
1: Right. And yeah,
0: that would yeah, take sure. away a lot of that anxiety, I think. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, right now, on, you, have the same, list. you have the same anxiety that people have who just have a meter. You just don't have to poke your finger to, to check on your anxiety. <laughs> right. You just have to hold the thing up to the thing. So right. um, I, I don't know. Like, if I was you, I would take steps towards trying to alleviate that. Are you checking yes. overnight?
1: Am I checking overnight? Like you're, you're not waking uh, yourself up to check your I blood sugar, No, right? no, no, no. I, I'm very. At this point, I was in the beginning, but now I'm very confident that my basal overnight is going to be a straight steady. line, and it is. And I can see when I wake up that oh, look at that, it's been a straight line. I've, you know, I don't unless something weird happens. There's no reason for me to check at night. No,
0: I would, I, you know what? If you can't make yourself do the thing I said, try that first though. But if you can't, I would go to the weekend and tell your husband, here's the thing to check my Libre. <laughs> you check it write the number down but do not tell me what the number is if it's under this <laughs> number or over this number so then you'll know you're safe because he hasn't come to you and yet you'll have a little a little feeling for what's happening okay there's a lot I of little ways yeah you have to trick your brain to stop being crazy David, that's it's awful. it's
1: amazing how easy it is for the brain to become crazy. And I thought I was a completely sane person, and apparently I'm not. Listen, but it's amazing how how insane the brain can make you.
0: you I yeah. I grew up in the Northeast. If you grew up in a Jewish household in New York with nine people, there's no way you're not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> just, just so you know.
1: <laughs> Three bedroom and, hats and apartment. Oh yeah. My it's best super fun.
0: my best one of my best friends is um is about the most neurotic person I've ever seen in my entire life. And he worries about things that I can't wrap my brain around worrying. And when we talk, I'll be like, Brad, what, why would you even think about that? And he's like, well, well, because, and then you can see him build a narrative around what if, and then what if, and then what if, and his what ifs spiral out of control and I'm like, do any of those things ever happen? And he'll actually say, and he means it. He's not being funny. He'll goes, no, but what if they do? And I'm like, yo, man, you got to calm down. <laughs> so I, don't know, I don't know another way to say that. Like, I think there's a way to plan without worry. And there's an episode of this podcast, and I don't want to repeat myself too much, but worry is a waste of imagination. That is literally you making up something that may happen. It's you making up a what if. And uh, that's not that's not uh, valuable. You also have to be healthy in your mind, not just your body. Yeah, you
1: know? yeah, yeah. So that's my next that's my next step. Yeah. After I take my, after I take your challenge to go two hours without checking. Okay, I'm gonna.
0: <laughs> and then just kind of keep stretching that out. And and now it turns out you cannot be my best friend because I cannot take one more person who's always what ifing <laughs> me to death. <laughs> 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 oh, it's it's I I feel for you because I. He, it seems exhausting.
1: It's, it's exhausting. Mm. But I think you, you give me hope that it's not going to be forever. Like I'm going to get a little bit more into it and it's going to become seamless because at the moment it's I'm well, but it's exhausting.
0: I believe that. I really yeah. do. I really do. Yeah. And I, I think you can get to it, especially with your you have good focus. You understand the nuts and bolts. Um. You'll, you'll, now, the rest of the part is just talking yourself into uh, into believing that what you know is going to happen is going to happen. That really is otherwise what that known
1: means. as talk myself into being less crazy. Yeah. We're we're working on that.
0: There's a defining diabetes episode called that because I think it's that I think it's incredibly important to just see something happen so many times that you believe it so that you don't constantly wonder what if. That's all. Right. Yeah, you'll get to it. You really will. I will. Can I tell I you something?
1: I'm, I will keep you posted. I,
0: I appreciate that. I need to apologize to you and thank you for the same thing. You really inspired me today. I was incredibly what? articulate. <laughs> you articulate, but but I—you spo- always articulate. What no, does that no, mean? No, I spoke more than I meant to in this one. But you got me rolling on things, and the thoughts were coming freely, and I just didn't want to. Sometimes I fumfer through things I understand, and sometimes I don't. But you caught me very clear, and um, and I think this is going to be uh, a favorite episode for people because I think we said a lot of important things in this.
1: So do I get to be considered delightful?
0: <laughs> All right, Angie, yes, you are delightful. You are I want to be delightful. delightful. <laughs> well, I, I I don't know why it means that much from me, but I I definitely found you to be delightful. I really I <gasps> okay. do. Okay. Well, yeah. thank
1: you very much. That means a lot.
0: I also appreciate you doing this. What it, what time is it where you are?
1: It is now a quarter to eight in the evening.
0: And I'm eating up your 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 evening time. I'm sorry.
1: It's all good. It's all good. It's nice to take a break from the kids for a while. So it's all good. I I, I lock the door and no one's bothering me.
0: It's a little
1: hour of peace. It's been great.
0: Yeah. Don't tell Kelly this, but sometimes when I'm folding the laundry, I'm just so happy to be by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I hate what I'm doing, but I like that I'm doing it by myself.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Sometimes by myself is, it's a good thing. Yeah. Scott, thank you very, very much. You've been, you've been a life changer. And, and I, and I mean that like, with with all sincerity you know a a life changer and and i hope that you just get paid you know paid back thousandfold for what you're doing for for the diabetic community
0: i really Um, mean that well you're kind to say that and i appreciate it and i um i i i feel like i feel like i get more out of this than you guys do that's for certain. Um, first of all, I've been married a long time, so if I start pontificating like I did today, Kelly's walking out of the room. Just you know, when I start talking about you know societal norms and you know, our, she's like, oh, here he goes, and then <laughs> and then she's she's out. So I get I get somewhere to stretch my legs. I also get to have. I mean, this, and I think it's as valuable for you all as it is for me. But having these conversations about what other people would find to be mundane diabetes ideas. Um, they reinforce them for me. And I have more than one thought that I've never had before while I'm on the podcast. I, I think this podcast is helping Arden um, as much as it's helping you guys because, you know, I think we're honing a blade here together. And uh, I, I think it I think it goes both ways. So I, I, yeah. I appreciate it as well. Oh, no,
1: it's like we, what we know now about diabetes and everything. It's light years ahead of what, you know, I knew as a seven-year-old when my sister got diagnosed. You know, it's, I'm so I'm so grateful for people, you know, like you out there teaching, because otherwise, you know, we'd still be back d- using, you know, urine sticks. You know, how helpful would that?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you can't listen. You, know? you, you can't undervalue the movement of technology.
1: It's it's been it's been incredible. Yeah, yeah but the, the technology doesn't help if you don't know what you're doing with it. Hey, so the well, fact that yeah, I'm wearing a sensor that's very nice. If I didn't understand it, that wouldn't help me at all.
0: I'm beginning to lump I, I I'm beginning to lump this podcast in with that because it's a, it's a tool to, to, to talk to people that, that just didn't exist before this kind of tech. I mean, honestly, I'm sitting with a microphone and a computer and some equipment most people don't have, but other than that, you know, I'm just putting my thoughts online and they're reaching. I, um, I, I think that this is part of it. I think texting is an amazing part of parenting with diabetes. Right. I think that insulin pumps and glucose monitors and insulin that works better that kind of stuff even you know even to say now like uh, glucagon being in a hypo pen like that, right. that that's a big deal for people who are scared you know and um there are a lot of people who are scared and then this podcast being able to talk to people like this i think is incredibly valuable i have to say um i was very proud of myself at the point in the show when you said that you started listening to a bunch of diabetes podcasts but now only listen to this one, I was proud of myself because I I want very badly to know what those shows are, but I don't want you to say on them.
1: Well, report. I'm not going to say the names because, you know, that's rude. But <laughs> exactly. I will say what the, the, the main uh, focus was just like a lot of, um. oh, you're okay. You're so wonderful. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Just like commiserating and, and venting which i guess for some people that's helpful but for me it's like i, I don't want to vent i don't want to commiserate i want to learn i want to do this better like that's the whole point how we make this better yeah. why are you accepting the status quo by venting and commiserating and having everyone you know hug you that's not what this is about you know this is you need to learn to do this better mm. and if you're not learning then i don't have time for you like I, it, if you're not learning then th- what's the point
0: it's funny because in my heart i think i do the comfort stuff too i just- just think i spent about 30 seconds on it and then we move on to the stuff that makes you not feel like you need to be comforted anymore
1: exactly exactly yeah, yeah. exactly and 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 am um, like a lot of these online forums you see that as well so i i just stopped all that because i'm not interested in, in comfort i have you know i i have that in my life right now i, I need to learn how am I making this better and and that's what you've given us and that's that's, like I said, life changing, life changing, right. literally life changing, not just, you know, the fuzzy wuzzy comfort kind of life changing, literally life changing the way I'm going to be able to live to 100 with both my feet intact. Yep. You know, that's my goal.
0: When you hear me say that it's nice to know you're not alone at 2 a.m. when you're fighting a low, but it would be better to not be fighting a low at 2 a.m. That's what I'm That's what I'm saying. I, you know, I I was approached this week about writing a blog post for a, a pretty big blog, right? And they're like, we keep hearing about your podcast and would you come write something? And I'm like, uh, oh, I don't want to, but all right. You, you know, so I started talking to them about it and right away it's like, well, don't talk about any of the things that you talk about in the podcast. And I was like- What do what? they want from you? I was like, what? She's like, well, you know, like, you know, nothing about how you use insulin or about, and I was like, so- you heard about me because the podcast is so popular, but you would like me not to say any of the things in the blog post that we talk about in the podcast. Is that correct? And she's like, yeah, that's what I need. And I said, you know, that's why the podcast is so popular, right? And she said, why? I said, because the rest of you are just pumping out banal bullshit people with diabetes. That's why. Exactly. And, exactly. and that's that's why this po- this podcast is popular. You think it's me? It's If it's me, it's because I'm saying it. But it's it could be anybody. It could be anybody that understood who was willing to speak up. It could be. But now, guess what? Now it's too late. Now the podcast is so popular. I am so far ahead of it 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 just doesn't it's an institution at this point. like you you know what I mean it's it's uh and and I've always been driven by that, even when I wrote on a blog. I just would look up and think, why are you all saying the same unhelpful stuff? over and over again. People are like, oh, you know who has a great blog, this one does. And you would go read it. You couldn't tell the difference between that one and that one. It was all just like you were talking about. it. And it's it was really nice stuff. And I and I and I genuinely think it has an incredible amount of value. But how many people do we need saying it's just a number? We need four thousand people saying that. Because at some point, you know, in a in a in an an attempt to make people feel better, what you make them is apathetic. And that's not helping them as much as you think it is. Right. I, I just well, don't if, buy into that. Once
1: you apathetic, then they stop trying to help themselves, and then before you know it, you know half the community is you know yes. blind. Like it, that makes no sense to me. It's that a makes no huge sense.
0: Pro, It's a it's a huge. It, it it really is. It's the communication equivalent of people misunderstanding the basal insulin. I saw a low, so now I keep my blood sugar at two fifty. Some people have a lot of anxiety around that number. So I'm going to say out loud to everyone, it's just a number. But what you were really trying to do is protect the people who have like a genuine anxiety issue around it. So isn't it possible? Why is it always, I keep saying this, but why is everything always one or the other? Isn't it possible to say, hey, listen, if you're experiencing a lot of anxiety around seeing your blood sugar, I really encourage you to think about it as a number. And for the rest of you who are not feeling that, here are some ways to keep that number from being anxiety-ridden to begin with. And for you with the anxiety, we'll go slower with you, and we're going to find a way to get this okay for you. And by the way, some people fall through the cracks, and that's no one's problem. No, excuse me, no one's fault. Like, I, right. like why why is common sense why do we always dumb everything down to the very bottom of everything? You know what's incredible at this moment, David? I'm incredibly liberal and I sound conservative. So <laughs> but but you can't just say it, it you can't least common denominator people's health. They're, well, that's what, what the doctors are doing. Yeah, no, no, what, they're uh, they're ruining nine people's health because one person can't handle the information, and that what that just doesn't make any sense no you know i'm not up for that i guess and so if that well obviously a- not
1: because you're putting in all this time and energy and on behalf of all of you know like i said the diabetic community we appreciate it
0: Dave, yeah. i i appreciate you saying that but yeah. listen i need to leave a repository have an awesome behind. day yeah yeah but no no i was going to tell you i need to leave a repository behind for my daughter that's what this podcast is that it's helping all you guys is a nice bonus but I need to take what's in my head and put it here because I think one day I'm going to drop dead. Right. And she's going to go, huh? How was my dad so good at this diabetes thing? Because she's not me, right? People want to make that point. Adults love to ask me, well, how are you going to pass this on to your daughter? That's another fallacy. That's another, I live in a safe neighborhood. I don't know how you're going to pass it on to your daughter. You can't because they're little, And their brains are mushy and they don't have they don't have any of my life experiences. They don't jump to conclusions about common sense because they don't have common sense. They're still building all that stuff. I need this podcast to be available the day my daughter as an adult realizes, holy that guy knew what he was talking about. And now and I'm doing it by myself and, and now, now I'm on my own. And now I'm going to go back and listen to that podcast. I'm going to take 500, a thousand hours of my life and make myself as good at diabetes as my dad was. And maybe she won't do that. But if she has that thought, this is going to be here for her. Cause I'm going to pay what I'm, my goal is to save up enough money to pay so that the, um, the podcast can be available, you know, forever. Like I'm, I, I, one of the things I want to do at my death is pay the company who hosts this podcast to keep hosting it. Well, you know, so yeah. it, it just, it, it, it is that it, 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 it's just, you can't, you can't learn life in a day. And my path somehow turned me into the kind of person who sees diabetes the way I see it and talks about it the way I talk about it just like when you hear jenny like you don't think there are other smart people who've had diabetes for 32 years who are into fitness but why is jenny so good at talking about it right it's 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 her whole life it's a, it's a it's a it's an amalgam of who she is when she puts it out there i think that's the same for me and for anybody else who's good at something you didn't just sit down one day i didn't like if anybody thinks i just thought oh i'm going to make a diabetes podcast and I'll just do it really good so people like it. That's not how this works. I could have started this podcast and it could have been crap and no one could have listened to it. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of other people out there proving that with a lot of other podcasts. And I don't just yes. mean I don't just mean <laughs> about diabetes. I mean just in general. People have that thought, like, oh, I'm interesting. And then they start talking. I'm like, oh, like I've tried some podcasts and I'm eight minutes into it. And I think <laughs> No one could be listening to this, you you, you know, like, like who would listen to this? I don't think the guy making it would listen to it, (laughs) (laughs) but that again, it's not a, it's not a brag. It's, it's just what it is. Like, I, I can't, I can't do a high jump. I can't run a 60 yard dash in, 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 you know, in, in, in an incredible amount of time. There are things I'm terrible at. I'm good at this. So that's dumb luck. It really is. I've heard people say it to me. I'm I'm, I'm sorry your daughter has diabetes, but save my life. Okay. Y- you know? So I
1: am kind of sorry she has diabetes, but it's it's uh if she has to have it, I'm glad that she's in your family, that I, you're there for her. I think
0: the unspoken part of that sentence is, if some kid's going to get diabetes, I'm it glad it's the you. daughter <laughs> of the guy who can talk about diabetes like this. Is
1: that, is that a horrible thing to say? Uh, I don't
0: think so. I get that. I, mean, I get it. It's,
1: it's it's the reality. You You are the best person to be caring for her. So...
0: Let's leave it with I'm the best person. That makes me feel good. <laughs> Okay. You are the best person. Scott, I like that. I'm kidding. Of course, after all this talking, someone's going to take that incredibly seriously. But uh, but, but no, seriously, I'm just happy. I, I'm literally happy that the thing I did helped you. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. It, it, it's And it, uh, my point, my greater point is that I could have been a person who put this out in the world, and you could have listened to it and gone – well, this is not valuable, and walked away from it. Uh, and I'm just happy that it worked out this way. And by yeah. the way, I mean this, if I, if, I, if I shouldn't be doing this, meaning if people don't connect with it, I would very much want to move on to something else. Like, I would be horrified to think that I was pumping out a podcast for people every week that nobody listened to and nobody cared about. That mm. I'd be, Like, why well, am I wasting my time with that? you know
1: okay well let me put that back at you yes. how long before this episode airs oh
0: well i really liked it so it's going to move way up
1: <laughs> oh because i was going to say if you have episodes three four months out clearly you have what to say and clearly people are out there listening that's what i'm saying like, that's no, the part, like no. i know often you um you have you know episodes you know far out into the future so that oh. just proves oh, that there's what you're saying. still a lot to do
0: if this went into the general rotation, you'd hear it in March of 2021, but wow. I had a good time with it, so I think it's going to go go out sooner. Plus, you're, you're in a really unique situation. I've had a lot of men lately, and I need to mix in some women, so um, that's my super, by the way, if anybody's listening, trying to figure out the, uh, you're like, oh, I wonder why his podcast is more popular than mine. Uh, I mix men and women back and forth, which, by the way, has nothing to do why it's popular. I just think it's a nice thing to do so you guys don't hear... Similar voices, like week after week, you know. Uh, but anyway, all right, you were terrific. You thank lit, you. You lit much. me on fire, you're by great. the way. If if your husband ever goes down, I don't know if I want to live in Israel, but I think you and I would get along. So, I,
1: I <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'm not taking care of those kids just so well. You
1: know. You're my best friend, so certainly that has to mean something.
0: I do think it does. If by the way, please. I, I, bye. Yeah, have a good day. I, you have a great day. I really appreciate.
1: I'm gonna go be dinner. You go be lunch.
0: All right. Take care. <laughs> okay. Bye. 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 Did I tell you this was going to be a great episode? Why would I lie? There's no reason. Thank you so much, David, for coming on the show and sharing your broad, expansive story and your heart. It was really lovely. I want to just point out that at the end of the episode, I told her it would be out like a couple of months ago, uh, because I was moving it up, but the great episodes have just piled up to the point where I can't do that. I'd have to start giving you guys like five episodes a week to get them out at the pace that I would have needed to, to, uh, Keep my promise. There are just too many good episodes. I got to pace them a little bit. You guys can't listen every day. You have lives. I, I mean, I imagine you have a life. Don't forget to go to the T1D Exchange. That's at T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. Click on join our registry now and fill out the brief survey. All you need to be is a type 1, the caregiver of a type 1, be from the United States, and have a few minutes to want to do a nice thing for other people. That's all you got to be. If you're those things, this is going to work out great for you. If you're new to the podcast and looking for the Diabetes Pro Tip series, it begins at episode 210 in your podcast app, or you can find them at juiceboxpodcast.com or diabetesprotip.com. The Defining Diabetes series is also there, as well as links to all the things about the podcast that you might care about. Juiceboxpodcast.com. Scroll down, take a look. All the After Dark episodes are there, and all the ones about algorithm-based pumping. There's some blog posts that I think are pretty terrific. Recent episodes, pro-tip episodes, so much to choose from. If you're listening in a podcast app, please hit subscribe or follow. And of course, if you're enjoying the show, please share it with someone who you think might also enjoy it.